Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. There's no fighting it. Technology and the integration of it in our homes is already here, and it's like having indoor plumbing or a telephone. It's not going away ever. If anything, the things that you can integrate will only extend further into our lives, and the systems to run them will become easier to use and easier to program. Now, you may be thinking, how much of this is gimmicky? Because I certainly was. You know, how much rainbow lighting do we all need in our homes? But, um, you know, things like automatic lighting when we open our pantry doors. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? So, I'm really excited to have Mike Chorney, the president of La Scala on the show today to dig into some home automation solutions. And prior to joining the team at La Scala, he launched service departments for Best Buy and Future Shop in the Canadian market. And he went on to run the Canadian division of Sonans. Sonans being the inventors of the in the wall speakers, which I would love to have in my own home. And his favorite quote is, success is a decision, failure is for those who can't decide. So Mike, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay, so I know you're down in Florida, and hopefully our technology will uh, serve us well here at a conference down there. So, and again, thank you for your time today. Um, now, there's a lot of ground to cover here, uh, so let's just get into it. And hopefully, I'm not going to be talking too quickly because I know your time is, is short here. So, when we start thinking about integrated houses and all of the elements that go into them, what are what are they and what should a homeowner start to consider when they're really wanting to delve into this kind of a, 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 a solution or a sector for their home? Um, I guess the first piece of advice you give to you is that entrust in someone that's going to guide you through the process. Uh, I find it very puzzling that too often the homeowners or the builder gets fixated on a product or a technology and um, they're not really experienced on how that plays out in the bigger, grander scheme of things. So it's kind of like you hire a plumber. They know which types of elbows and bends and what type of pipe that you need to put into the house or the electrician. Um, we act at La Scala as technology consultants. We work with a variety of brands, but we as a consultant, we understand what the customer is trying to do, what the endpoint looks like, and then we guide them through the process and take all that complexity and we take care of it for them. Yeah, so we're not, we're not trying to be brand specific here. We're just going to try and find the best solution for what the, the homeowners yeah. needs are. But within that, under that guise, I mean, what are the, what are the elements that we can use in integration for our homes? The, I mean, what we try to, first of all, establish is how the homeowner is going to use the home, whether they're uh, transient and they're traveling lots. Do they want to have access to see cameras? You know, something as simple as an Amazon box when it shows up, where is it going to go? How are you going to track, make sure there's no one stealing it? Uh, are they entertainment uh, type folks? Um, do they have kids? What the expectations, uh, realistic expectations are now, but also for the duration of uh, the building. You know, the building should be there for 20 to 30 years. So we inf uh, ensure that the infrastructure is there. So, I mean, I know I'm going all over the place, but uh, <laughs> it, it's really about it's okay. understanding understanding how they're going to use that space. With the, with the pandemic, uh, you know, a lot of people have been shifted to home. And uh, what we learned is that, you know, working from a dining room table is not as, as comfortable as working in an office somewhere. And most homes aren't engineered 
to be a really highly efficient space to work at a dining room table for work. So, I mean, it's, that's just an example. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like we're talking about, like, like you're saying, like, um, you know, I, I heard like there's some security in there. Like, say you're getting a package delivered. Maybe you have kids coming yeah. in and out after school. You want to make sure that they're, they're home and in, um, you know, if you're entertaining, obviously you, you want to have some control over our lighting and what our sound system is doing to create that really fantastic experience when we're hosting. Um, and, you know, part of the, I guess the lighting or whatever would be the control of, you know, how much light we're natural light we're letting in or not throughout, you know, the summer months or the winter months and all that kind of thing. So um, is, did I miss anything in there? It sounds like there's like, yeah, it's, it, it, it it's interesting because there's really no end um, <laughs> what you can do. So, and most, most people when they come to meet with us, they have no idea what they're, what they're stepping into. So we, we, what we try to do is get an understanding of, you know, who they are, how they function. And then we present the opportunities that might be um, enticing to them to, to think about. Um, I, I, I try to break it down into two categories. There's environmental and okay. then there's entertainment. An environmental, uh, it's become more of the norm, mm -hmm. the expectations, and I can relate it back to a car. Uh, vehicles nowadays, it's pretty hard to find a car that does not have power windows and does not have power door locks. Yeah. So, and we're seeing that in um, what used to be luxury and you used to have to pay for that in a vehicle is now assumed in your entry level models. And in the housing market, <clears throat> there's a uh, you know, I'll make reference to the Vancouver condo market. There's an expectation that there's going to be a button at the front door that says I'm leaving the house and it turns off all the lights. So right. it's a centralized lighting system. And there, that same button might drop all the shades as well. So it, it's still on the cusp of what I would say, uh, borderline optional versus expected. Right. And um, uh, part of our job uh, or my mandate or my, my drum that I bang all the time is trying to be in front of that stuff because a home is, is you're going to be there for a while. Their home's going to be there for a while. So why would you build a new old home as such? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Like why, why, why harken back to the stone age when we can be in the, yeah. in the new yeah. age? Um, yeah. So if, if we're looking at um, wanting to really design and integrate into our homes and say we're doing it, you know, we can do a new build or we can do a renovation and we're really doing a going to town on a reno for like say the majority or most of the house. When should people uh, start considering like how to plan all of this integration? Like at what stage in the process would you suggest they come in and, and um, have a consult, you know, have a earlier, earlier, the better. And you know, a good point of reference is when, when you're designing a house, what mentally is going through the person's mind is the flow of the home. So as I enter from the garage, the flow of the home, is there a mudroom, you know, before you get into the, the rest of the house. And for us, it, it, it's, it's not so much the structure, but the flow of the home is how do you want the house to flow from a usability perspective? Um, you know, back to the example of the buttons at the doors, the away button or vacation mode, or I'm home. Um, that's all part of the flow and has to be uh, incorporated at the design stage uh, very, very early. The yeah. other benefits are that, you know, and, and as troubling as this is, that people don't really think about the stuff, but 
there is electrical requirements for a lot of this gear to work. Yeah. So trying to install it after the electricians put their plans together, you're, you know, you're forcing the customer to maybe compromise what their technology looks like. Yeah, and of course, with all of the the, the parts and the pieces and the, the, the brains of the system that we're going to be putting in, we need to have a place for it to live. So that also has to be built into the plans. And obviously, with like anything that's, uh, you know, computer driven or whatever, we need to make sure that we have proper air ventilation and keeping those systems cool so they don't overheat. I mean, I would imagine yeah. that's also part of the conversation. Absolutely. So... And I love to tell the stories that Samsung's come up with this fabulous TV and you saw it when you're in I our know, showroom I called know. The Frame, which it, it looks like a picture when it's in the off mode. But that TV, like a lot of TVs, have this breakaway box that is required for that TV to work. And that box is, it's, it's, it's a big box. So you can buy the TV to get the aesthetics mounted on the wall and then you lose everything that you just tried to accomplish because you have to now put a shelf there and put this ugly black box that says Samsung on it in the environment that you were trying to make it look fabulous. So back to getting involved early, when we, when we talk to people, say this room, you know, it's my conversation room, but I also want to have TV there. So we maybe will suggest, let's, let's look at the uh, frame TV from Samsung, but we also need to consider that this got this black box it needs to go into a back box or be hidden somewhere so we yeah. don't take away from what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's a good segue into, uh, you know, the, the idea around wired systems versus non-wire or Wi-Fi based systems. And yeah. um, I think that, you know, obviously if you can open up your walls and you're starting from scratch, we're going to want to wire everywhere. And, and maybe just tell us the pros and cons around wired versus non-wired and then what the solutions are if we're not opening up our whole house if, if mm. in a renovation sort of scenario yeah that's a great question the um the, the one thing i i try to get the agreements from anybody i speak to i'm at a conference right now so i'll do it here is that <laughs> wired solutions are always better than wireless solutions so if there's an opportunity to hardwire anything it's just you got higher rates of data that can transfer. So the output of that is it's faster, more reliable. Now, wired solutions are not good for portable devices. You wouldn't think of walking around your house with an iPad tethered with a long cable plugged into a wall. So wireless was really created for two reasons. A, there was no wire, or B, uh, you wanted portability. So the segue to that would be, if you are building or open up walls or have the opportunity for things like TVs to have them hardwired so you can use the smart TV functions, I would always uh, recommend that. Now, part two to your question is, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to open up walls and pull that wire. So what does it look like from a Wi-Fi perspective? Um, uh, networking and you know, Wi-Fi is continually getting better, but the success of those products to work on the Wi-Fi is very dependent on the Wi-Fi system that's announced. One of the hugest mistakes that people do is that they'll go to their local Best Buy and they'll buy things like the Google Home and the door locks and all these little widgets that you can get. And then they they have a kind of the out of the box Wi-Fi from their internet provider. And then they get frustrated because the devices aren't working the way they, they thought it would be. Um, when we design a system, the first thing that we talk about is network 
And, uh, you know, network's important for your day-to-day, for your cell phones, your iPads, your computers, and all that other stuff. But when you start layering in Wi-Fi switches or Wi-Fi shades or Wi-Fi um, TVs and all that, you're putting some pretty heavy demands on your system. Therefore, the Wi-Fi system has to be looked at first. Yeah, so how do, you, how do we create a better Wi-Fi system then? Um, the, I mean, generally speaking, most people, they, they get their internet service provider. They have one hotspot, so one in 10 in the house. So first step is, is what does the coverage look like? How many Wi-Fi access points do we need to add into that home to give them better coverage? We call it a heat map. And then we look at the device count or what sort of device is putting in there. And then we can suggest that some of the Wi-Fi to, uh, access points, there's different grades of them, if you will. Um, we'll make a suggestion on what grade that this should get. And then after from that is uh, having a network specialist um, that knows how to set them up. And uh, if, if the husband or the wife is working from home, they're going to spend a lot of times as we are right now on a Zoom call, but they have kids that love to game and uh, do internet gaming. Uh, you're now fighting each other for bandwidth in yeah. that house. So, and you could be compromising, you know, the parents zoom call while they're trying to work because they're playing roadblocks down in the basement. So uh, a network specialist to ensure that the traffic is directed or prioritized is very important. Yeah. Well, and, and even with that as well, I think the, um, or maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but, also, the, the, the service generally in your neighborhood or in a, a, a condo building or whatever, you know, all, all of those signals are coming and there's like a lot of demand even just within like the geographic area. And that also comes into play, does it not? Yes. And uh, uh, quite often we will survey uh, the address and ensure that the services that are available, we'll recommend that one might be better or the other. Um, one supplier may have fiber while the other may not. Um, the other comment that's worth stating is that Wi-Fi is an uncontrolled environment. So if, if your neighbor has a real strong Wi-Fi system, you may be fighting for airspace with them versus a hardwire connection. You're on your own. Yeah, for sure. So, and when we're talking wire, we're talking like, uh, Maybe I'm going to use the wrong term here. We're talking like Cat5 wire and all that kind of yeah. stuff, yeah? Well, you are using the wrong term because Cat5 is still the most used cable in uh, our industry. Okay. Um, probably 90, 90% of integrators or specialists are still using it. Yeah, we have not used that wire for 20 years. And and the reason being is that if if we are consultants and we're advising people how to build the structure that can work and function properly today, but also uh, take advantage of future technologies. There, the Cat6 or Cat6 shielded or Cat7 cable um, is a better alternative. And uh, just to baffle you with some numbers, a Cat5 uh, cable can transfer 350 megahertz of data. So 350 megahertz of data will not pass today a proper 4K signal. So okay. if you're trying to watch TV, you'll get a compressed 4K signal. But homes are being uh, wired with multiple lines of Cat5 with the expectation that they're going to have multiple TVs trying to output 4K. So Cat6 
just a, a basic CAT6 can pass 550 megahertz. So you're significantly higher in bandwidth between the CAT5 and CAT6. These are the reasons why we have not used CAT5 for years. <laughs> the cost is so insignificant that um, I think a lot of folks are just, it, it just rolls off their tongue, CAT5. So that's what they end up putting in there, not knowing. So again, well, I, I, mean, I, didn't, us, I, I didn't know that there was a better solution. Yeah. So that's, that's really so great for us as well. When, when you, when people come to visit us, we go through, you know, some of the reasons why we, we run different cables for video transfer in the house. We'll run a Cat Six shielded, which gets you significantly more bandwidth on top. So, so uh, what does the shielded mean? It, it just it protects the integrity of the signal over the 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 path. It's an extra layer, and by doing so, you can pass more bandwidth on it again. One right. thing we know for sure is that people's expectation on uh, internet or video content it's not going to go down oh no <laughs> people they're gonna they expect a higher level of quality and faster downloads um in time so why not prepare for that yeah for sure so i mean obviously all of these um additional things we keep on bringing into our homes the tvs the you know devices all and you know spending more time in our homes with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff obviously our our energy consumption draw is going to be higher and it will continue to be higher. And, and you know, various cities and, and municipalities are trying to like combat that by doing a whole bunch of different things. But um, I think there's a, uh, the ability to use home automation to, to help with that. Is that correct? It is. So a lot of the devices that you're just speaking of uh, are not used. I'll use a light bulb as an, as an example. An incandescent light bulb, uh, as we all know, the standard light bulb uses fire to generate light. And uh, that is uh, not a very energy conservative method. Yeah. So by shifting into technology, LED, light emitting diode, uses a significantly less wattage. You know, sometimes it's using 10% of the wattage that a regular bulb would. So you have a savings there. But on top of that, a lot of this technology turns things off when they're not needed. Right. So as, as an example, back to that away button at the front door, by pushing that button ensures that the whole house, there's no lights left on. It also could ensure that the shades drop so you're not you know, heating or cooling a home that's vacant. Right. And we can take it one step further and we put location services uh, activate that so that they don't even have to hit the button anymore. It just the home knows when you're not there and just turns off devices. Right. And then, of course, uh, there's the ability for us to divert energy away from some parts of the system and put it towards things that are, you know, more important. Like if there was a, a dip in our, our draw or whatever, we can make sure that, say, our fridge and our freezer are more fully powered than you know whatever something else or heat, heat a towel bar or whatever in our bathroom yeah. what have you right yeah so we're privileged in the, in the fact that most um canadians our energy is inexpensive and abundant but uh that's not going to be the case forever but our american friends they have uh what they call uh, power rush hours and the rate that they're charged to use power during peak periods is quite high. So with a, uh, an intelligent home system, 
we can do set up a program we call load shedding and it will allow or disallow items to be used during those power uh, times or it can defer to pull power from a reserve either be a battery bank or uh, solar energy right. uh, which is is now becoming more and more important in the state of california uh it's mandated now oh Okay. Yeah. Well, and of course, here in the Lower Mainland, Vancouver, we tend to follow what happens in California. Yeah. <laughs> a number of years down the down the way, so I would imagine that's coming through. But also, I mean, we're looking at our you know step code here, and you know, basically driving towards passive house building. And I think these integrated systems will help with that as well, getting right. us to that passive house standard, right? Yep. I can share a story. Uh, we had a retailer, Nordstrom's downtown Vancouver, they have one wall that's all glass and uh, the shopping experience is a restaurant on that side of the wall as well. Uh, it was uh, bright and hot and the restaurant people didn't want to sit in one particular area because it was like sitting under a magnifying glass. Um, so they approached us and they said, you know, is there technologies that can assist? And uh, we put in a, a system in there that's it's measuring the temperature on the glass uh, the sunlight that's coming through the glass. It's also looking at the weather forecast and automatically adjusts the shades up and down to optimize uh, the energy uh, efficiency for their space. Um, one part I forgot, it's also tied into their HVAC, so their uh, heating and cooling. Yeah. Yeah. And um, interestingly enough, you know, their ROI on that project was four years, but they paid it off in 18 months just in energy savings by not calling for uh, more air conditioning. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Which, which is uh, actually a, another really great segue into the fact that even as a homeowner, we can have the data be brought up by all of these systems telling us how much we're using and how much we're saving potentially and all that kind of stuff, right? Like we can definitely look at all of the, the data that can be mined from all of these things. Is that correct too? Yeah. Um, we have some very simple light switches that go into uh, a standard outlet, but one of the benefits is that it, it's communicating energy data back to the main hub. And it was not utilized previously, but it, it's now available uh, to the end consumer so they can you know, have real live diagnostics. And with those diagnostics, uh, you can trigger events and, um, uh, if there's a power outage, it can send you a notification. So say there's power outage and, um, or if there's an excessive use of power, it can trigger a notification. Uh, this would be important for, um, you know, maybe a freezer. Yeah. You know, it's got, you know, our, uh, we've had clients that they want to know if the wine cellars are overheating or there's no power, you know, yeah, wine cellar yeah, party, issues party, are like party, a first world problem for sure. But you know, if you're going to invest in like some pretty fancy wine, you do want to make sure that you've got it stored properly. <laughs> um, now, we did just really briefly touch on um, LED lighting. And uh, I know that LEDs, we talk in Kelvins and that we're 2700 or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But often, you know, to have the, the lighting from different products look the same um, is always a challenge because you know sure. everybody's everybody's products are slightly different now 
I, mm-hmm. I know when I was at the, at the showroom the other day, that that was something that we talked about. And then we also talked about um, circadian rhythms and all that kind of thing as well. So maybe let's just touch on that. Um, sure. topic. So there's two, two points. It's like sending someone to the store and saying, go to two different stores and get me red paint. You know, yeah. you got to get back to the likelihood of them being the exact same color, slim to none, even if it was the same manufacturers as dye lot issue. Um, so when it comes to LED and colored lighting, there's a mass flood that every a lot of uh, suppliers got into this market in LED lighting and they all hang their claim to the, the color temperature. But the reality is a lot of them very uh, well can be significant. Um, so we uh, educate people that come to our, our showroom on the differences of tunable light versus just LED light. And the ability with tunable light is that we can get them all the match which may sound insignificant for someone listening to this podcast, but you really notice it when you go into a space like a kitchen. We got toe kick lights, uh, task lights underneath the countertops, and uh, you might have pathway lights and a chandelier, and you're trying to accomplish some sort of tone of white in there. And one might be blue white, while the other ones are like candle white. And uh, it is uh, a very powerful demo to see what that looks like, and then having the ability to tune it. So there, there's that part. Um, the fun part with that is if you have artwork in there with some different colors, we can actually tune the white and put a hue of red or a hue of blue or a hue of green in there. And that the, the colors of those paintings will actually pop right off the, the painting. Yeah. Um, I think I, I told you about this one of the uh, retailers that drive me crazy is a Ferrari dealership in Vancouver and uh, they have beautiful red cars and all their lighting in there is very yellow. So these, these cars look like they have uh, liver disease, in my opinion. And I would, I would love, and I've offered to them to show them what the benefits of having a 5,000 Kelvin tunable lighting would right. make their cars just look wow. so much faster, you know. Yeah. Uh, so anybody who's listening that works at Ferrari, reach out to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, about the color. And then the circadian rhythm is... Um, it's a health um, discussion, really. It's a, it's a health uh, concept, but circadian rhythm in layman's terms is just the sunrise, uh, midday sun, and then sunset. And we as human beings, as animals, uh, we're supposed to sleep at night, supposed to sleep at night, and we're supposed to work during the day. And our, our uh, exposure to the sun um, from intensity and from color light triggers different uh, hormones in our body, serotonin and melatonin. One's to work, that's your working uh, uh, endorphin, which is serotonin. And then melatonin is your chill out uh, moods. And this is why you go to a restaurant and uh, a romantic restaurant will typically have uh, candles on the table and it's a darker atmosphere. And when you when we're exposed to darker lights and candlelight type environments, so, you know, uh, a low Kelvin, low intensity, our heart rate goes down, um, our, our, our brain activity goes down, our breathing slows down, we're more relaxed. And um, by bringing some of those elements into a home or workplace, uh, there, there's studies that show that there's health benefits to it. That um, conversely, if we're, we're too exposed to uh, high activity type of environments, bright white lights, 
5,000 Kelvin. And we tend to stare at cell phones, iPads, and screens all day, which is also emitting high, bright white light. And our, our bodies are just trying to over uh, produce uh, serotonin. Right. Yeah. But also, I mean, we're also talking about that, that the color of the light and everything like that um, within the automation of our, our lighting of our homes, you know, we can change that to, to flow with what the, the course of the day brings. So I, I think that's a yeah. really interesting thing and more and more people are becoming more. And more yeah. it's, um, it's definitely not gimmicky in my mind. And I, I just love yeah. the, the capacity and the capability for the systems to do that. Well, the, the best the best example sorry to cut you off the no. best example I give is that you know this work from home has forced people to you know maybe work at the dining room table and you know you got two polar opposite uh, scenarios there you want it kind of chilled and mellow where you're having a cocktail party or dinner party but during the day you know you need bright white light in there to see what you're doing and also your body's expecting that to be productive so there is you know it can be uh a warm white bulb that when it's dim low it's orange but when you go to the, the higher intensity the brighter the bulb it, it is admitting that 5k white light yeah no like i, I just but just even that even that just one little piece is like really really yeah. interesting for me mm-hmm. um now seeing as how you're at a, a conference down in the in the states there what do you see as like upcoming and exciting hardware options and things that we that are upcoming that we would maybe consider you know in the future yeah, I'm a strong advocate for uh, what I call smart homes. And a smart home is something that uh, the home knows what to do mm-hmm. uh, without without interaction from the homeowner. Um, uh, so there's uh, devices that are now, they're, they're smelling the air quality in the house. And uh, if, if something's not smelling so good or there's viral activity, um, you'll know to exchange air in the home. Hmm. Um, currently, I mean, you think about it, uh, uh, especially homes that are, they're closed. Yeah. People are hypersensitive now because of the pandemic, but is the air quality inside my house, uh, good or bad, you know, um, again, we're from Canada, fresh air is in abundance, but there's a lot of metropolis areas where it's become more and more a growing concern of exchanging that air in the house. Um, so that, that's interesting. Um, the LED space is always getting better with new solutions. Um, voice, uh, voice is not going to go away. Uh, we've been strong advocates for voice for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, we instruct customers how to use it where they can be happy with it and not be frustrated with it. Right. But uh, common, common language uh, voice is, uh, is, is being used now. So you can have a very uh, open, uh, almost slang-like conversation with your house and it'll be able to turn on music and uh, turn on lights, whatever. Yeah, well, I think that sort of the, the the Alexas and the Google Homes and whatever, like people are starting to recognize that they can, Alexa, turn on the yeah. whatever. And like, you know, yeah. it's, it's like the, the third party sort of extension of this sort of uh, idea. Yeah. Right? Well, the, cha- the challenge has been is that it's, it's almost like a speak and spell. Like you have to learn the language of the voice prompt for it to, ha- for it to happen where it's not just naturally flows. Mm. Uh, we now have uh, solutions that naturally flow. So the best example I give is you can, you know, most homes you walk in and say, Alexa, play uh, Bob Marley. Okay. And then uh, she might ask, which room do you want to play it in? You know, um, what song do you want to play? 
but with, with the new technology, it knows that you're in the room and you can say, hey, Alexa, play Bob Marley. It knows you're in the kitchen, but you can also say, hey, uh, sorry, I'm not going to use Alexa. It could be Josh A. You, you can say, play Bob Marley in the kitchen, turn on my lights and, you know, open the blinds and it's a little cold in here. Can you make it warm? And it'll be able to identify all those trigger points and make that all happen for you. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Now, um, we're coming to sort of really close to the end of our time here. And I want to be respectful of the fact that you have things to do here. Uh, yep. The last thing I wanted to touch on was um, an area of the house that almost nobody really even thinks about. And that is the garage. And we mm -hmm. sort of talked right from the very beginning. It was like, you know, you get in the garage and you come in your house from the mudroom and, you know, we start from there. But with, um, you know, all of our, you know, uh, cars that are going more and more into the technology space i'm thinking like you know uh teslas and you know all of those sorts of uh evs yeah. and so forth um we're coming into the age where our cars need to be connected so you know the garage sort of like the next sort of frontier of, of discussion for a lot of people and what they're doing yeah so it it's funny because i i i always spend a lot of time when i'm meeting the client about putting infrastructure in the garage and putting a wireless access point in the garage. And that's the first place they always want to pull the budget. And uh, I, I can I can combat that resistance with this statement. I said, do you feel that you'll probably, or the next person that's going to buy this house is probably going to uh, have access or have an electric vehicle yeah. of some sort? And, you know, and most people say yes. And electric vehicle needs to get updates to be efficient um right. it's the it's the the virtual way of getting an oil change if you will so <laughs> it needs to have a way to communicate teslas need to like to see the internet every night to download data back to headquarters for tesla so they can learn about their vehicles and forever make improvements and send you know updated software back to the uh back to the car part two to that is that we're starting to see an insurgence where you've got these electric vehicles that are going to be parked in the garage and sitting idle doing nothing. And uh, those, they're a storage device of energy. So we talked about the peak periods for energy. Um, there's, there's homes now where they're actually tapping into the vehicles source of energy to smooth out some of those bumps. So it's going to be reciprocating the, the house is going to charge the, the car, but that car is also going to provide, energy while it's sitting idle back in the house when it's, when it's required. So having that infrastructure in place. Yeah, amazing. All right, so um, I think we're, I, I feel complete. I feel like I've asked all these questions and in my mind is just like super like blowing up with all of the ways that I would love to integrate into my own home. So for those of us who are, you know, embarking on a reno or, or a new build, um, what's the best way to, to connect with you and um, maybe just share what, what that might look sure. like. Yeah, uh, we have a website. It's www Um We have info at Lascala, or my personal in, uh, email is mchorney, M-C-H-O-R-N-E-Y at lascala.ca. Yeah, and I would um, just like to say too, like I 
I did stop into the showroom uh, earlier this week and I would highly, highly recommend that everybody make an appointment with you or an, a, another person in the office to go through all of the different options that you can consider to bring into your home and, and have that discussion up front about really what your needs are and how to best uh, find the solutions that are going to work for you and what your family or what your needs are. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's definitely an experience. So I would highly recommend that people reach out to you to, to make that happen. And before I close out the show, um, I always like to ask a couple of fun questions. So sure. first one is, what would you like to change or renovate most in your own home? Or in this case, because we're talking automation technology, um, is there anything that's missing in your own home from an automation standpoint that you would love to see in it? Oh, <laughs> when you first asked the question, would you renovate in the house? I want, I want new floors, but... Um... I, technology wise doesn't really play into the floors um well, yes I mean, uh, I, I, yeah i mean um and you've got a first-hand experience with this um i love technology obviously um but i hate to see it i mean i think a room should be beautiful it should be well appointed and uh, technology should not take away from that room um, it should be virtually invisible so if i had the choice i'd install invisible speakers and hidden subwoofers in my personal space. Oh. And the second question I have is, are you handy? And if so, what's your favorite tool? And if you're not, what do you think would be the best? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite handy. And um, uh, I won't I won't shy away from trying anything. And <laughs> favorite tool, uh, most men would probably say a hammer, but um, a cordless drill, so. Yeah, it's kind of indispensable, right? Yeah, it is, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Well, th thank you again for coming on the show. Okay. I know that, uh, again, like you're done at a conference and everything, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I'm really excited to see the future innovations that are coming up in this space. So I'll be sure to be tapping back into you along the way here. Okay. So um, again, thanks for coming on. Okay, thanks. You bet, have a good one. All right, and for those of you who are listening, thanks for tuning into the show. And if you like what we're sharing on, the, on it, be sure to like, follow, comment, and of course, check out our other episodes. Ciao for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.